Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. What's up, Pels fans, and happy Thanksgiving! Welcome to our weekly recap episode of The Bird Rides. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and I had the entire family over for Turkey Day, uh, both both sides, my side and uh, my wife's side, and it was filled with laughter and a good bit of drama as well. How did yours go, Ollie? Mine was uneventful. On Thursday, we actually drove over from New Orleans here to Fort Walton to get away from everything and everybody, just myself, Shannon, and her mom, and my dog, of course. So we, we, we're just enjoying a quiet time here on the beach. Oh, that sounds really nice, actually. That's the way to do it. Uh, I, I've got, Well, I'll get to my uh, story in a second. That, of course, is our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell, the mastermind behind thebirdrights.com, along with his partner, David Fisher, who we still have yet to have on this podcast. Uh, but we do have on the line, working the streets of New Orleans right now, Kevin Berrios. How was yours, Kevin? Oh, it was good. I uh, my, my parents had uh, moved to, like, a little bit north of Baton Rouge after Katrina and my mom's family, most of them moved to Mississippi. And so they, they went, drove up to, uh, I mean, sorry, to Alabama. They drove to Alabama and uh, had Thanksgiving there. And I dipped out on the rest of my family and just had a bunch of friends over and uh, cooked and hung out. And that was fun. Now, Friendsgiving's the way to do it. I actually got into, yeah. I'll share a couple of stories. I got into big trouble with my in-laws. Uh, when it was time to cut the pies, I made the mistake of cutting the pie and serving it on plates. Well, I didn't know that it's it's customary to wait for the creator of the pie to be present to cut the pie for everyone. So I got in the hot water for that. And then in addition to that, uh, a Christmas tree was gifted to us. And my sister and I opened it and and we put it up and we put on all the lights, you know, to present it to everyone as a, as a nice surprise, but that was also an occasion where you should wait for the gift giver to do it with you. And finally, watching uh, a movie, Valerian, with my family, and they're just not the brightest bulbs. Uh, <laughs> and one of them says, <laughs> one of them says uh, who is that actor? I recognize him. And I go, oh, that's Ethan Hawke. That was my father. And then my mother goes, you're right. We've seen him in something before. I go, it's Ethan Hawke. And then my sister goes, is that Matt Dillon? And I scream at the top of my lungs, it's Ethan Hawke! <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just at that point of the week. What about you guys? You had a nice, quiet time. Ollie, Kevin, working the streets right now, being the gracious host that you are. Any fun stories? No, man. I would just say if I were you to just stop trying to do things and let other people do things. When you do something, you just get in trouble. Yeah, uh, try and 
trying too hard is definitely uh, a, a disease of mine. I think I'm I'm giving with actions. Yeah, and all, and all I got to tell you, Preston, is now you know why I went on vacation. As you get older, <laughs> you'll probably pull, pull one of these like I did this weekend. <laughs> nice. Well, all right. We'll give you, no, go give ahead. you one tip. If you're going to slow cook some pork loin, have a lot of uh, 12-inch vinyl sole records on handy to really get it real tender. That That works. Ooh, pork loin was actually a dish that we did serve, and it was it was the hit, I think, probably at Thanksgiving. We had a, a lot of good stuff, like the stuffing, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes. My mother say, said having both mashed potatoes and mashed sweet potatoes was too much. We should have baked the sweet potatoes. So we did have our, our list of notes and critiques. But let's let's get to basketball, you guys. That was a fun segment. But the New Orleans Pelicans spent their holiday week with a 3-1 record, which we're all pretty ecstatic about, including a huge win, a comeback win against both the Thunder and the Spurs, both games involving, I think it was 29-19 point deficits in the first quarter alone. I think the Thunder one was like 35-6, to and the Spurs was like 25-6, to something like that. And then after storming back in both matchups and blowing the roof off the Talking Stick Sports Arena, I had no idea that was the name of the Phoenix Suns Arena before I looked this up. The Pelicans had a 14-point lead early in the Golden State game on the second night of a back-to-back before falling 95-110. to Ali, we'll start with you. Recap the week with your biz- biggest positives and negatives. I think the biggest positive is that our team is still kind of trending upwards, and, you know, mainly I think that's due to we're finally getting some pieces back. They're getting used to playing with one another. So, yeah, these – these wins were kind of unexpected. Nobody expected the Thunder and the Spurs to follow the Pelicans' boat. They managed that both of those games, as you mentioned, in comeback style, and they, they really put the foot down on Phoenix. First blowout win, uh, kind of like you know, from the opening tip until the end of the game, they played really well. So, yeah, I, I think you, you can't really take too much out of that Golden State Warriors game last night. I think uh, you know they got that fast stars that back to back, plus. You know, it's the Golden State Warriors. I don't care if they were missing Kevin Durant. You've got to be in top-notch form to beat that team. And, you know, we, we just had too many turnovers, you know. And then you've got, what well, Rondo didn't make a single shot. And then there are a few other cold uh, players. So, all in all, it was a fantastic week. I mean, it's kind of soured, ended on a loss. But, you know, what? you've got to take three and one every single time. And um, if you look around the league, you know what? If you look at the standings, uh, this is where everybody should be getting excited. There's There's some separation now. Uh, one through seven. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say one through seven. Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors are definitely the cream of the crop in the Western Conference. But then you've got a glut of teams, the Spurs, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Nuggets, and us, the Pelicans. And then, you know, th- then it's a drop off. I think it's what it, I think it's two game difference between the Pelicans and the eighth seed of Jazz. And, you know, Thunder are down there. And so you've got to expect them to come up. But there's some teams that just don't look like they're going to make that move that some people predicted them to be in the playoffs, like the Clippers today, the Grizzlies lost to the, uh, the Nets. So it's looking honestly really good for the Pelicans right now. So people should be definitely hopeful after the first 20 games, everything's trending in an upwards direction. Ollie, be careful when you talk about standings, you know, how divisive uh, the bloggers in new Orleans (laughs) on Twitter on when we, when we refer to that, Uh, Kevin, let's, let's go over to you. We had a pretty good week. What was your thought? Uh, right now the Pelicans are seventh in pace and I know that you want to slow it down. Talk about what you saw this week, what you liked and what you didn't. Um, well, I like that we can be happy. We we can be happy. We can be positive. You know, you don't have to (laughs) poo poo everything all the time. Even the, you know, it's like, I, 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 like the way that we won those games, I still think we would be better with a different coach. But, you know, 
like I said before the season started, I wasn't as down on them this year just because I think we have the talent to uh, win in spite of the coach. I think we would be an incredibly great team if we just had a slightly different philosophy, but we're still a very, very good team. And we saw that on display. Um, that Spurs game was super fun, you know, being down 19 in the first quarter and then being up by 30 in the fourth. That was uh, pretty incredible. Um, it's good to see that Toronto Drew Holiday is the thing, you know, like he's, uh, he's attacking, he's scoring. Um, you know, I didn't, I always thought he was better on the ball than off the ball. Cause I never saw this aggressive mentality from him uh, on a consistent basis. And look, it's still not necessarily a consistent basis because it's what been what, about five, six games. We've seen him uh, in this attack mode and I hope it continues. And if it does, I'll be happy to say he's much better off ball. And I was wrong about, about that. Um, but you know, like Rondo has really influenced the team. Uh, that's been great. Darius Miller continuing to knock down shots is incredible. Um, you know, we've seen uh, some weird performances from Boogie, some up and down stuff. Uh, a lot of that, I think, has to do with how the team uses him and and um, knowing that he wants to be a, a big man to play, that plays like a guard and not really doing things to kind of get him out of that. For instance, don't even pass him the ball till he gets to the elbow. Don't let him get it at the three-point line and operate from there. Um, I did see some weird stuff, too. Like, you know, like with Rondo in there, I thought, you know, the whole point of having him in there is to be the uh, the ball handler. And sometimes, you know, you would see Drew Holiday bringing the ball up or whatever. And I was like, what's the point of that? Um, I mean, it's fine for Drew Holiday to do that when Rondo's not on the court. But if he's on the court, I mean, that's what he's there for. So get him to initiate the offense. Um, I saw a couple times, though, like Drew would be bringing the ball up. Anthony Davis would call for it and immediately pass it to Rondo to get him to run the offense. So that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was very positive. That Suns game was ridiculous. I felt like I was playing 2K watching that game. I mean, <laughs> that that was just a destruction. Um I'd still like to see Boogie operate closer to the basket, and I know a lot of that has to do with him and his personality, but I think a lot of it also has to do with, uh, how, you know, how we run our offense, and I would like to still like to see a slower pace and more pick and rolls and more him getting his first touch at the elbow or posting up. I do like that we're posting Drew Holiday up a little bit. That's, that's been exciting. He's been good getting the ball in the post and scoring around the room, but you know, overall, it's been, you know, great few games. All right, let's swing it over to our credited NBA writer, Ali Cosell. Uh, and the reason I do this is because I did want to touch upon our defense this past week, where our offense uh, really played well. We're eighth in the league right now, 108.2 points per game. We're 26 defensively and a 108.3. And a lot of that is three-point shooting. And I understand that we talked about this last week, but I, I still can't help but bring it up with Ali. Uh, you understand the, the game in a way that I couldn't. Teams are just launching it at will against us. 31 a game. Uh, we're sixth to last in the league and allowed three-pointers right now. And I, I was watching a lot of Golden State and how precise their, their screens were and how they were able to get uh, pretty good looks from three-point range behind their screens and their picks every single time. How can the Pelicans better uh, defensively stop the three-point shot going forward, Ali? Or do you think with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, that's just something that they're going to have to give up on a nightly basis? 
First of all, great question. I love that we're changing the focus because the offense has been awesome. Uh, I just really quickly want to say, I don't know if anybody's looked, but over the last uh, 10 games, and for some reason NBA stats has not updated their uh, data since our game last night against the Warriors, but, but since, you know, last 10 games, the Pelicans are right up there neck and neck with the Warriors for the best offense in the league. Uh, only a couple points separates us in total points scored. We've actually got a better field goal percentage. Um, assists are identical. Honestly, everything's identical outside of the three-point shooting. And even there, we're only trailing them by like 2.6 uh, percentage points on the three-point percentage. So, yeah, offense, it's been awesome. We've got to talk defense. And, yeah, Preston, you're nailing it. I mean, they have improved somewhat. But if you watch that game last year, you know what Golden State did really well? They would pound AD or Boogie when they were like inside of 15 feet but they were able to react so quickly as soon as the ball was swung out to uh, anybody in the perimeter. Their ability to, to close out is incredible, and that is something the Pelicans need to just watch on loop because if we don't do that good of a job, as we noticed, I mean, Atlanta, uh, Toronto in two games, we just got torched on the outside. And then, sure, in one of those games where Alvin Gentry correctly stated that there was a lot of uh, contested shots that were made, but, you know, in most of the instances, though, where the Pelicans have been getting burned on three-point line, it, we've been giving up wide-open shots. So that is completely um, the, the focus because the defense has not been good, Preston. I think we, I think we're in the bottom five in defensive, defensive efficiency, and uh, that's just not going to fly. You know, if the offense is flying high, you, you've got to be able to stop the opponent enough times. And with us, it is. We're giving up too many three-point shots. So, honestly, it comes down to closeouts. And it's always going to be a hard thing to do when you've got both AD and Boogie out there. Now, Davis is a very willing defender. And as you can see, he doesn't need to close out as well as a guard simply because of his reach. So even though I, I can't recall the last time he's blocked a perimeter shot, it's in the back of every offensive player's mind when they see him coming at him. So I'm not too worried about AD, but Boogie's, Boogie's been the sore spot. He's just, you know, he's a traditional big man who kind of came into the league when, you know, big guys stood in the paint and they never once, you know, really left the paint outside of that 15-foot circle around the rim to come out and defend anybody. Suddenly Boogie's being asked to come out all the way at the three-point line. You can see him. He's kind of reluctant every time. He plays a pick and roll. He stays back, makes sure that the penetration's contained, but then he's always just late to rotate over to his man, who when he's a three-point shooter is shooting that wide-open shot and he's been getting burned a lot. That's just something they're going to have to work in practice. That is exactly what Phil Weber, and I know I've mentioned this a few times before, um, he, he was a, a coach with the Pelicans. Now he's in the front office. He mentioned that the Pelicans have to be able to guard down. And so far, AD has held up his end of the bargain, but Boogie has not. And that's just going to have to change. Um, there's no, no other way to say it. But, you know, he's not the only one. We can't pile it all on him. I've seen Darius Miller, Dante Cunningham. Um, even Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo sometimes get lost. Each one more is not very good. These guys don't close out. Just like I said, when I watched the Golden State Warriors, it was like poetry in motion. Uh, every single one of them, even the reserves, the way they just close out on our shooters. There was a couple times in the first half we had such exquisite ball movement. I think the ball moved seven, eight players. But you know what? Nobody was able to get a free shot. I know at least on one of those instances they ended up with an each one more floater, but it was because Golden State Warriors defended us on those first five, six passes around the perimeter where we couldn't launch at three. And that's what the Pelicans have to strive for. So, yeah, yeah but, Preston, great question. And, you know, it's not an easy answer. It's, it's an effort thing. It's a 
the rotations thing. It's just simply they've got to practice it, work on enough to where it becomes a comfortable thing. Thanks, Ollie. It's nice to be appreciated. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Kevin. I'm going to ask you the same exact question. And before I do that, I just want to mention a couple of things. One is that you mentioned guys like, like Darius Miller, Dante Cunningham, and Etwan Moore. They do this thing where they run at the, the uh, at the three-point shooter. They stick up one hand, kind of, I guess, to block the vision of the player. And then they run right by the player when I would prefer that they just put their body in front of them put both hands up. Maybe you don't reach the same height level. Maybe you don't reach the eye level, but just putting a body in front of the shooter, I think is a bit more jarring than just running by them with a hand in the air. And in addition to that, Kevin, before I let you go, if if they're not going to challenge these guys on the perimeter uh, at the rate that Ali was suggesting, then why are they, I guess, I, I think they're six to last in the NBA in giving up offensive rebounds to opposing teams. They're giving up over 10 a game. Kevin, why aren't they challenging three-pointers three the way that they should? And if they're going to hang back and not challenge the right way, why are they giving up so many offensive rebounds? Well, I think, I mean, Ali obviously did a good job on, on his answers to that question. But I think partly one of, the, one of the problems is a lot of the guys, which are guys that he mentioned in there, Darius Miller, Ethan Moore, even Drew Holiday, and Rondo at this point in his career, they, they don't have great lateral quickness anymore or or have ever had it um so that affects the ability to like close a gap whereas you see more athletic guys you know that's why like one of the reasons i was pushing for like a jonathan simmons this offseason you know he has a great lateral quickness and he can close out we missed that athleticism um that can not only help you on offense but also on defense um so that's one thing and then it still could be a little bit of a chemistry thing because, I mean, these guys have played in a lot of different lineups already. I mean, the core has kind of been together, but they they still move around parts. You know, you've got Jameer Nelson during the season. Ian Clark was playing for a while. Now he's not really playing. Rondo's back. You know, people are shuffling around. But um, it is a reaction thing, and so it's also a mental thing and an awareness thing, but it's also – a lateral quickness thing. So I think it's all those things combined. I think they can improve it on, from the mental side, but um, it's always going to be a little bit of a struggle just because we lack that athleticism. All right, you guys are listening to the Bird Rides on Nothing But Net Network here on the Dash Radio. Uh, Ali, I'm going to transition to turnovers and assists. This is something we talk about every time. Obviously, with one, you invite the other. Uh, the Pelicans are third to last in turnovers at 14.7. But they're also third in assists at 25.9. And you mentioned uh, how much they share in common with Golden State, with great ball movement. Uh, comes turnovers, unfortunately. But at this point, we're, we're still a bit higher than we were last season. What can the Pelicans do to cut down on turnovers? I know we're going to mention uh, DeMarcus Cousins and some of those crossover dribble penetrations that don't always end well, just because they stick to memory and they're very frustrating to watch uh, for a sports fan. But other than that, what can the Pelicans do to, to, to keep up the ball movement, but minimize those turnovers a bit? There, there's no easy answer because you're asking the players to play in the system where ball movement is placed at a premium. And it, you're having, you know, a lot of guys that aren't used to, um, you know, playing these roles. That's where DeMarcus Cousins, before Rondo came back, was asked to almost lead an offense. He was the focal point, initiating it from the top of the key. Then you had Dante Cunningham, who was always the you know, for most of his career, played, you know, inside of 15 feet as a power, smaller power forward in the league. Then he was asked to move to the three-point line. 
Sully now he's being asked to move around away from those corners. You, you get you get these instances where our our team is kind of made up of a collective group that just isn't used to being decision makers on the floor, um, and that that's what's kind of happening. So outside of Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, and Jameer Nelson, each one more played some points. So we've seen him perform well. But yet all these guys go through instances in the game where they'll just make some silly turnovers, and you know what it is? It's just to me they're just forcing the ball. Instead of making the simple play, which is something Gentry, I think, has said repeatedly in um, post-game comments, um, if they could just stick to that. Now, I know it's not easy. You, you're trying to score points. Obviously, you're trying to move the ball, and you see your player get open for a brief instance. But like last night, for instance, I thought a lot of our bad turnovers came from you know throwing the ball into where they shouldn't have, where there weren't any lanes. And, uh, and it wasn't just Boogie. Yeah, you mentioned we could talk about Boogie. But again, he's probably he's leading the team in touches, so you can't get on him simply because he's got the highest turnover figure. That's bound to happen considering how much has been asked of him. So, you know, you want to say it's an easy answer. You've just got to play smarter. But honestly, it's just going to continue to take time. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know about you guys, but I saw Golden State Warriors make a lot of stupid passes themselves, even though they end up with half as many um, turnovers. I believe what they end up like with eight or nine. The Pelicans had seventeen or eighteen. I still saw that, those glimpses from the Warriors. Like, what are you doing? Like, they, they tried some crazy passes. And I remember when Steve Kerr first got there, they were throwing the ball left and right all over the gym, you know, committing over 20 turnovers, like for four, five, six straight games. So it's just – it's a bump that we're going through. Now, granted, I can't promise you that the Pelicans will ever, you know, kind of develop the right mentality to play in the system because they simply lack the skill set. They simply lack the familiarity. Um, but but it's something they've got to keep trying. I mean, you're not going to change midstream now. No, it's, the coaches just have to continually push for them to make the smart plays. Don't push it. You know, don't throw the ball in when you've got AD down there in the box. But, yeah, he's surrounded by not one guy, but like three of them in a neighborhood. Don't put the ball on the floor when you're surrounded by three guys. It's just simple things like that. They're just trying to make the – the, the right play, the quick play, they've just got to kind of just slow it down just a little bit more. You can still have pace, but play smart. And I think that's the next step for this team. Yeah, Golden State showed us uh, just how wonderful basketball can look the other night. And even with some of those careless turnovers, I think a lot of them were in the first quarter. They finished with 10, and I felt like I had to go back and watch the game because I feel like I saw 15 to 20, but they actually finished with 30 assists and 10 total turnovers, which uh, is that elite 3-to-1 ratio that a lot of people talk about. Kevin, when when you watch Golden State's ball movement, um, compare it to the Pelicans, and how do you think the Pelicans can improve that assist-to-turnover ratio? Well, I mean, I think one thing is those guys have, are more cohesive unit, for one thing. You know, they've been mostly been together for a lot longer than our crew has been together and, uh, and playing the style longer. So they're more accustomed to it. So there's that. Um, and then some of those guys are just better ball handlers. But the um, I think – one thing that I don't really mind, you know, the miscue on passes and stuff, because, you know, that's going to happen when you run a read and react offense, you know, that you just have to expect that in a multi-ball movement offense. It's just the things that drive me crazy is, like, stepping on the baseline um, and, uh, you know, the the discontinued dribbles and the, and the, like, and the travel into a drive to the hoop. If they could cut those out, those are just mental things that don't need to happen you know that's just court awareness um 
you know, and I even hate when the officials call those like drives to the basket that are travels to start off with, you know, because there's really no real advantage gain from from that. It's not like a it's not like a walk through the lane or anything. It's just like a kind of a stutter step to start your drive to the hoop, and usually you don't even have a, a a defender really close to you, and it's just a turnover, and it just slows the game down. I wish I would kind of ease off on that, but we seem to get called for a few of those a game, and those are just, you know, you don't even get a, sh- a attempt at the hoop. They're not as deadly in theory as the other turnovers because the ball just comes out from the side. It doesn't go into a fast break. Um, so in that sense, they're maybe not as dangerous, but when you also have those other ones, if you can just eliminate these kinds of mental turnovers, mental lapses, then I think, you know, that'll make a big difference also. Now, I definitely want to talk about something that Ali was uh, touching upon earlier, the way that defenses are attacking Anthony Davis, specifically Golden State, Orlando, the Raptors, and Hawks, by throwing multiple big men at them and kind of swallowing him in the paint, forcing him to make those kickout passes, which Boogie is really comfortable with. But I don't think AD is necessarily the passer that Boogie is at this point in time. But before we get to that, uh, let's touch on some individual performances, Ali. Drew Holiday has uh, has come alive, if you ask me, in the past three weeks. He's averaging 17 points per game on 54% shooting. And I think that pretty well coincides with how long Rajon Rondo has been back, I think about two weeks. One of our questions is from John Ramey, Ali, and it's, how has Rondo's coming back affected Drew? It's huge because he, he had to basically be the team's point guard. You know, even though DeMarcus initiated a lot of the offense, even though AD and DeMarcus were bringing the ball before, it was still basically Drew Holiday was the main point guard until the team uh, signed uh, or added Jameer Nelson, and he was able to play, take off some minutes. But again, having Rondo there means Drew's starting games without having to worry about a whole facet of the game on getting the offense going. Um, and, you know, it's freed him up. And another big thing I think that's really helping him, he's gaining some confidence. Uh, he's made a three, I think, in the last five games. And last night, boy, he started off real hot. Ended up shooting three of eight. But you know what? When you look at what Clay Thompson and uh, Steph Curry shot from behind three-point line, it's pretty much the same thing. So even though Holiday cooled down, you can tell that his confidence is creeping back. And I, I, you have to attribute it to Rondo because what else is different? He's still playing big minutes. He's always surrounded by AD and Boogie. Uh, he's usually got more somewhere around there, too. So, really, Rondo's the only addition. Yeah, it's noticeable. All of a sudden, guess what? Drew's not making those turnovers. I think he went through a stretch of three games where he didn't have a single uh, turnover. Um, and, and the guys even – what I'm liking, too, that nobody's talking about is his rebounding. He's really helping out the big guys, and that's something that I hope we talk about later is the Pelicans, that's one area they need to focus on here on out. They've got to become a better rebounding team. That really hurt last night. It was the small little things that got to me with that loss to the Golden State Warriors last night. And one of them was just giving a great team like the Warriors so many second chances. You know, you, you just can't do that. Um, so, anyway, sorry, I'm getting really off the topic here. Let's get back to Drew. But, yeah. I think this is exactly what the coaching staff wanted to see. This is what Rondo talked about in preseason. Yeah, you're, you're going to see a Drew Holiday that was attacking, getting a lot of layups, and that's what we've seen. I mean, last three games, he has shot a total of 14 free throws. That's outstanding. I can't remember the last time he had a stretch like that. An aggressive Holiday who's now making an outside shot, that's perfect. And that's another reason why our offense has been flying so high. The last 10 games has been Rondo's return, and it's rubbed off perfectly on Drew Holiday. Kevin, let's get your take, and let's also throw in there uh, Etwan Moore and Drew Holiday, who combined, I think, for the Pelicans, 
first 25 points or something like 25 of their first 29 in the first quarter against Golden State. And let's throw on top of that the play of Darius Miller, who is averaging 10 10 points per game in the last 12 on 56% shooting from three, 47% from three overall on the season. Uh, He only scored 15 total points in his first eight games. He's really improved from there. Talk about the improvement of Darius Miller, and then talk about Drew Holiday next to Rajon Rondo, as well as Etwan Moore's new role coming off the bench. Well, um, Darius, I mean, I... I didn't know I didn't know what to expect when he was coming in. I didn't, you know, I wasn't like I didn't know how to feel about that. I wasn't uh worried about his signing and I wasn't overly optimistic about it just cuz he was a question mark. We don't know uh he had some nice moments with the Pelicans in his first stint and then he goes overseas and he obviously uh had had a good run there, shot well from 3 over there, but you know, Jimmy Fredette's lighting it up over in China right now. So, you know, that's never um it's never like a something you can count on uh, when they come back. But I always count on Dell finding that, uh, you know, that cheap player that nobody really, everybody had given up on or nobody really paid attention to that come in and make, makes an impact. So, you know, I was open to Darius being that guy. And when he started out the season, it didn't look like it was going to be that way. You know, I think he was just like one of those confidence players. He's always been sort of like quiet and reserved and, uh, non-aggressive and what whatever they did to light a spark under him at the start of November, uh, you know, it really worked. And he's been shooting lights out. It's been incredible. You know, I mean, even what would, would you say he's shooting from three right now? Uh, 47% overall on the season, but in the last 12, he's at 56. Yeah. You got to also remember, I mean, he has like a, a heave in there and then they have one where they hit him with the last second shot he had to take, you know, where he wasn't set. So like really, and, and actual shots that he shot, it's even better than that. You know, um, he's just been outstanding. Um, and that's great that we really needed that. And I really hope that continues. Um, each one more, I've always been a believer in him and, uh, he, he's, uh, you know, he's he's still been a little bit up and down here and there, but, um, you know, he's making an impact always, like doing little small things. But in terms of scoring, you know, he's not consistently at a 14-point-a-game score or whatever, but, you know, he'll give you those 20 nights, and then some nights he'll have six or seven. Um, but I, I always like these on more, and I think he's just going to continue to grow and be better. Um, certain matchups are tough for him. Uh, you know, like when he was, uh, what was that, against the, they started him, what, what night was that when they started him against, uh, was that Oklahoma City, he was starting that small forward where he had to guard Paul George, and that, that was a tough night for him to have to, to to play guys like that. But when he's not matched up against, a, you know, a premier small forward or a guy that's much taller than him, I expect him to be a positive contributor. Um, and then Drew, I mean, this is what we always wanted from Drew, and we have seen flashes from it every now and then. But, um, you know, I I was not ready to bank on him being this offensive player. I was still satisfied with him being a key part of this team because of his defense and because of his uh, ball handling and uh, stuff like that. But I, I was never expecting him to be an attacking player, and uh, he's sort of gotten that mentality now. And that's, you know that's going to be huge if he continues that that's going to just open up so much for everybody else and look people are just starting to probably everybody on the team is starting to just get used to this too so once they get used to that 
that's going to open up things for everybody else as well. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Holly, I definitely want to have a big segment on DeMarcus Cousins in a moment. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's just touch on some of the veterans and what their addition to this team has has meant. Uh, we've we've discussed in the past about how Jameer Nelson in many ways saved the Pelican season whenever uh, he was added. Uh, his Just his steady leadership got us a couple of those games. And I'm, I'm specifically thinking of the Sacramento Kings game. That's the first one that comes to memory. Uh, but in addition to him, Rajon Rondo is the steadying floor leader. And Tony Allen has been a wonderful addition thus far this season, just with his, his energy, his tenacity. Every time we see that uh, Boogie's energy sink, we see Tony Allen diving for a loose ball. Talk about those three veteran leaders and what they've meant to this 11-9 and nine start. They've meant everything. I mean, you nailed it with Jameer Nelson. And actually, before the Kings game, he won us that Lakers game. There's a good chance the Pelicans may have lost that game if he hadn't hit a couple big shots down the stretch. I think I remember him nailing a three to kind of put the game finally, you know, to bed. So, yeah, Jameer Nelson, outstanding acquisition. That's the shame we even talked about at the time. Jordan Crawford kind of had to be, you know, the one to go since he was the only unguaranteed contract. And the Pelicans sorely needed another uh you know, more help at the point guard position. And then, yeah, you, you can't understate Tony Allen and Rajon Rondo. And I've got to say, remember what I told you guys, I gave them an A, Dale Demps an A for signing these guys. Um, I was ecstatic with what they had, you know, the money they were had available and all that. I love the veterans that were brought in. Um, and, and we're seeing it now. DeMarcus Cousins is still being talked to, as Scott Kushner noted even last night. Tony Allen was in his, was in his ear after he picked up that, technical foul those are the things that you need to have on your team but the only people that can provide it are those veterans that have been in the league forever who are gonna you know be able to get through to a player of uh, cousins status caliber whatever you want to say same thing with ad even ad's not perfect so you want to have a couple guys on the roster that he'll you know as soon as, soon as he makes a mistake or something somebody's going to get in his ear or just simply point out what, what he did wrong for instance i see brondo talking to ad all the time when they're on the bench um he's always teaching the game i mean this is this is what you need uh preston to take that next step the first step is always the team's got to get a superstar then they've got to acquire talent but then learning to win is just such an understated thing in this league i mean case in point timberwolves last season um they had all those stars everybody expected them to take that big leap but yet they suffered through a te- uh, or a very terrible season under one of the be- you know most highly regarded coaches tom thibodeau so no you need these veterans you need to have it's, it's the small things that win you games you're not going to have these blasts you're not going to have these games where you're just on fire and you can roll over opponents it comes down to all these intangibles that you know happen within games and who provides them, who knows them better than anybody else, it's the veterans. Um, I know that the locker room loves Tony Allen, Ray John Rondo. It's amazing when these guys speak, and, and Jameer Nelson. After games, while we're staying there waiting for the players to get ready, uh, they're taking their showers and stuff, you see these vets talking to the guys, to AD and Boogie. Uh, to AD's right, you know whose locker that is? Jameer Nelson. To Boogie's uh, left is Ray John Rondo, and as you know, AD and Boogie are next to each other, so it, 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 the layout of the locker room even tells you exactly what the purpose of these veterans are. And, it, and it's precisely that it's to provide the advice, all the knowledge, all this expertise, and uh, simply because they command that respect. So it's invaluable, Preston. Took a long, long roundabout way to get in that, but it's just simply invaluable. 
All right, Kevin, I'm going to tie this into to the question I've been I've been uh, tiptoeing around for, I think, about 35 minutes now. And let's tie in the veterans to uh, to the I'm going to open the boogie box. Let's talk about DeMarcus Cousins. Let's talk about the the frustration that we've seen billowing into these games. He picked up his fifth technical foul last night against Golden State in, in a moment when he absolutely didn't mean to. And you add this to. I think the the fourth one was against Toronto when he jawed at the referee so much. The referee tried, actively tried to ignore him. Boogie went to the bench, continued screaming at him from the bench, virtually begging the referee to tech him up. And one of our questions from Solomon, thank you, Solomon, for all these questions. He sent us about four or five. He said, how much is Boogie's uh, referee frustration affecting our transition D? And I want to just tie that to the larger picture. How is Boogie's energy and temperament affecting the Pelicans at, at, at large, and how are the veterans keeping the, the ship steady uh, afloat right now, Kevin? All right, let me just ask you this. Would we have a winning record if we didn't have DeMarcus Cousins on the team right now? You know, I that's... don't think we would. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think we would. And look, he has problems. We knew that coming in. He has baggage that comes along with him, but he's a spectacular player. And it's upon the staff to understand his flaws and his teammates to understand his flaws and to to work on him. And and it's up to him to to adjust and be better. But there's also things you can do in game to solve that. You yank him, you bring him to the side, sit him down for a few minutes, have sit him next to a veteran, let him talk to him, then get him right back out next time out. Be like, look, they're out to get you. You just got to know that. Laugh it off. Do the thing that you got you're you're here to do. He's an incredible talent. He can he can score from anywhere on the court. He can facilitate an offense. Look, people talk about him not have playing with effort. Look at that game last night. His effort on defense was was great. I mean, those some of those blocks he had where he was coming out of nowhere, running people down, chasing people down. And of course, you know, sometimes he doesn't get a foul and he'll be yapping with the official and not get back on D. That is definitely true. Um, but those are things that you have to live with with him. If you And look, we've all wanted another star next to Anthony Davis. You just can't get a star. Like, we were going to – with having Anthony Davis on our team pretty much guaranteed that no matter what, we're going to be drafting at the lowest with, without a crazy injury, uh, you know, eighth, eighth in the draft, you know stuff like that and up you, it's rare that you get a star and in that you know i mean there's surely there's been stars drafted after that but you know it's it's so uncommon and for us to be able to get a guy that dynamic and a guy who does what anthony davis wanted he didn't want to play center i mean i've always thought he was great at center and that would be what he should be but if he doesn't want to play that you go get this guy who is the best center and one of the best players in the league to play next to him, and you create mismatches against every team that you're playing every night because nobody can guard those two. Um, you know, and then you're going to complain about demeanor and things like that. I don't know. I mean, his teammates seem to love him, and it's just going to take some adjustment, and it's going to take some, some better coaching, and it's going to uh, – and it's going to take some patience, and the fans need to lay off of him, man. Like, if we didn't have him, we'd be, we would not be over 500 right now. I guarantee you that. 
uh, let me send this over to Ali. I don't know if you want to get there and uh, get in there and debate with Kevin. Uh, obviously, Demarcus Cousins is at least a top twenty talent, if if not higher. Uh, could be like you predicted at the beginning of the season. Could be an MVP candidate. He's got all the tools. He's playing really well with the Pelicans. Uh, he's become a stunning passer this season. The only thing keeping him back is is himself. Talk about talk about Boogie as Boogie's own worst enemy. And what the Pelicans, and like Kevin said, what the fans can do to get the absolute best out of DeMarcus Cousins. I'm, I'm with Kevin on pretty much everything. You cannot start a DeMarcus Cousins um, argument debate by pointing out the negatives first. That's just ridiculous. What this guy brings to a team um, essentially is what every team is looking out there for. You need studs to carry uh, teams you know, to, to better records, to the playoffs, et cetera. And Boogie's one of those guys. Unfortunately, it, 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 people want to call it baggage. To me, I call it just a few plays in the game almost. Sure, he hangs his head, or maybe the energy isn't there for stretches, but it truly comes down to just a few plays that may really make a difference in the game. Uh, and, and that's what sticks out. Uh, for instance, you guys remember the play where he, I think, I forget what happened on the offensive end, but something didn't work out for him, whether he didn't get a foul call or made a turnover but then coming down the other end he's chasing chasing through excuse me um he gets picked up what was it steph curry and zaja sets a screen somewhere along the baseline and he just literally just runs right through him and then twitter exploded they're like what the hell is he doing you know got a lot worse than that even and you know there's those plays and then for instance the technical foul yeah, that looks bad, and, and I can't stand it either. But you know what? Did that cost us the game? How many technical fouls committed by Boogie have cost games, uh, his team's games? Uh, I'd say it's probably a very small number. It's just frustration, and it's just something that a man, a player of his caliber is going through. And for seven seasons, he he, he never experienced winning. And I, I'm currently – one of my next pieces I'm working on is actually right on this topic, understanding Boogie more. And you've got to understand – I, I haven't figured out the numbers, but honestly, think about how many games a player plays over seven seasons and how many days that is. I want to say that he has his team hasn't been over 500 for more than 50 days of uh, of, a reg, of uh, his career. You know, he's never experienced that. He's already up to like 13 or 15 here with the Pelicans in this season. So winning is not something new to him. He's always been frustrated. He's, first of all, he's always been losing, and he always wears – uh, everything on his sleeves, all, all his emotions are right there for everybody to see. But yeah, the frustra- frustrations have just naturally, you know, come out, and it's going to continue to come out and he, until he starts, you know, working on. But again, to me, that is just a small facet of, of who Boogie is. You can't talk about that ahead of all his other contributions. As Kevin said, I saw a lot of good defense from him too last night. Um, he is a guy who always tries to put the team on his back. I mean, no, no, nobody gave him any credit for the fact that Gentry and uh, Greg Finch put, built an offense, and all of a sudden they don't have their uh, point guard, Rajon Rondo, start season, and they threw it all in boogie. And yet everybody's pointing at his turnover numbers. Well, I mean, what the hell did you guys expect? This guy is trying to create, carry, do everything because nobody else on the team really wanted that job. Or maybe they, the coaching staff didn't see anybody else that's fit for the job. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive that you turn to a seven-footer. And you know what? He did a pretty damn good job. As you mentioned, Preston, how many times has his name already been uh, tossed around with MVP talk? So 
I'm a boogie defender as well. So, sorry, you're not going to get the biggest rebuttal out of me. Yes, I do think that he does need to work on that, um, hanging his head. The biggest problem where this impacts the game is getting back on defense. There's going to be those couple of plays where he may be arguing with the ref or he'll be slow to get up, pouting and, and such, and all of a sudden the other team gets an easy two points, four points, six points. That is what you've got to eliminate. If you can cut that type out, then honestly, Boogie has no negatives to me. Um, I, I don't think this issue is big enough yet. Until he starts losing us games, then then you can start going ahead. And I don't understand the fan base that wants to trade him. Kevin nailed it. For how many years has AD been looking for a stud next to him? And they found, and finally he has one. And sure, it's not like the perfect package. People talk about it. It should have been a wing like Paul George would have been better. But you know what? You can't be picky. You can't be choosing. You know what? Boogie, Boogie's damn good at a lot of things that a lot of uh, wing players do in this league. So, I don't know. I think it's overblown, Preston. I really do. I know we all see it. We, the bad moments are right there. But, again, that's what you remember because they do stick out because all of a sudden the game stops and the focus is on Boogie and he's walking around for two minutes. And then there's NBA replay checking out a thrown elbow or him cursing out a ref. So that that's the lasting impression. But, again, that, that that doesn't represent at all who Boogie is and what he brings to this team. Oh, yeah, get, just, yeah, get in there. I just, yeah, I just want to say also, I mean, you're, you pointed out something that I didn't really realize. I mean, was it? Would you say he's 50 days over five over 500? All he had, you know, he's used to having to carry the whole load, and he's still most of the times when he gets himself in trouble is just because he's trying to do too much, and so exactly. he has to learn that that he has these other really good players around him that, that he doesn't have to do it all. And that's, you know, you're fighting off, uh, what, how long has he been in the league? Uh, how many years now? This is his ninth, ninth year, right? Eighth year. Yeah. Excuse so me, eighth year, eighth year. He's fighting off eight years of muscle memory of being like, I have to do this or nobody else can. And now he, you know, so he's just doing too much. I mean, what was the best teammate he's had so far? Is it like Rudy Gay, maybe? You know, I mean, like, he he he's just not used to having somebody else that can take that burden away from him, and he just gets – he just and, – and that's the thing. I'm not going to get mad at a guy from for trying to do too much, for trying to take on too much, for caring too much, and that's what he's doing, you know. I'll I'll be mad at the guy who's slacking because he's a slacker, you know. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of lightning round questions here because uh, we've only got about 10 minutes left. Uh, just to answer some mailbag questions, uh, Solomon asks if the refs are costing us games. And I'm going to go ahead and say no. I know that officiating can be inconsistent and frustrating at times. But the Pelicans right now are ninth in causing turnovers. And they're only, uh, are, sorry, in, in drawing fouls. And they're 14th in fouls drawn against them right in the middle of the pack. They are in the top 10 in, in causing fouls. Uh, another question, what are the chances of the Spurs being a fourth or fifth seed? I'd say that's all going to be determined on how long Kawhi Leonard is out. You see how well they're playing without him and Tony Parker, and Tony Parker is on his way back. Uh, let's let's do a quick uh, – let's try to keep this under a minute for both of you. Let's grade Alvin Gentry so far. Let's start with Kevin. Uh, I'm going to give him a C. I mean, I think he's an a- average coach at best, and I think, you know, he's he's – going against the strengths of his team with the way he's running things, but he does have the right point guard in there right now uh, to make it work better. And Jameer Nelson also as a backup is going to make it work better. Um, so I'll, I'll going to leave it at that. All right, Ollie, let's swing uh, it to you. 
I, I give him a B plus. I've really been impressed with everything he said that the, uh, the Pelicans were going to do this season training camp. They have pretty much pushed it, and, and, and that's what they're doing. The rotations, I think, have been spot on. Um, he's switched up. He's removed Dante Cunningham recently and replaced him with Etwan Moore simply because of from a production standpoint. Uh, the biggest negative, honestly, so far for me is the fact that I feel like he still isn't strict enough with the team, and that, that is honestly with DeMarcus, like, for instance, is where he's had those games where he's kind of, you know, not had his head in the game. He, he should have removed him earlier. Maybe, maybe that's it. It's just a few small things is the only things that I'm picking on Alvin. So I think he's done a great job so far. B plus. All right. I want to uh, spend a lot of times on uh, time on predictions for the week. So I'm going to answer these two really quickly. I apologize for that secondary and, and Jose. The two questions are how good would Alvin Kamara be if he played basketball? Uh, everybody in new Orleans area should know that. I think he got two touchdowns, a hundred and something, 80 uh, total yards Had that brilliant 74 yard run just breaking tackles at will, leaping over defenders, an incredible display of athleticism and and sheer just calming force. He doesn't look like he's trying very hard, but he seem, seemingly makes everybody miss. And uh, the closest comparison I could think of is, is somebody like a Tony Parker, somebody who's not the most physically imposing, but he just weasels his way through traffic until there he is at the rim. What do you think, Ollie? Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, it's It's hard to talk about a bas- a football compare a football player to a basketball player simply because of what you're doing out there. You're you're trying to elude in football and in basketball, honestly, that that's not how you play the game. Uh the court is so much smaller. You've got to get to a single what is it? I I even forgotten the, the dimensions of the rim, but you're trying to get to that as to where the football, the the uh touchdown touchdown zone, excuse me, is a lot bigger. So you know it's it's all about elusiveness, and that's what Kamara has. Plus, he's got all those gears. So, yeah, I, Tony, Tony, younger Tony Parker is a good one. You can almost pick any point guard that has those type of gears. Um, I know the one. Know. It's, it's, it's John Iverson. Wall. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I, oh, Iverson. Iverson, that's a good one. He's got the flash. Yeah. He's got the style. He's got the quickness. He's got the elusiveness. And he also sacrifices his body in there. Well, that's all why right. I wanted to say John Wall, but I like Iverson better. Yeah, I like that. All right, Kevin, this one's for you. Uh, this is from Jose. It's who's more useful, Omar Ashik or Devontae Harris? And, of course, this is in reference to the Saints starting cornerback in lieu of Ken Crawley and Marshawn Lattimore being out. I, I'm, I'm doing this from memory, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty close to spot on. I think in the four games Devontae Harris has started, the Saints are the worst in defense in the NFL. And I think in the eight games he has not played – I think the Saints are the best in the NFL. Uh, I'm drawing that from memory just from our friends over uh, at, uh, I'm trying to think, Saints Happy Hour, Ralph Malbro, Andrew Juge, uh, those guys, they do a fantastic job if you guys want to listen to them. Omar Ashik, I don't think hurts the Pelicans because he, simply by the fact that he hasn't played, uh, obviously his salary takes up a large portion of what they could do to help. Uh, compare Ashik's albatross salary to Devontae Harris's on-field performance, Kevin. Hey, at least Lasha can set some screens, right? I mean, he, he's got skills that he can provide. It's not necessarily a total negative when he's out there, if you know not to pass him the ball. And look, hey, he had some pretty – let's not knock him. He looked pretty good out there when he was out there in garbage time. He had, like, some nice little layups around the basket. Uh, you know, he looked he looked kind of spry. I was happy to see him out there. All right, Ali, we're moving gonna... better. I just got to say, he was moving better in that game than he did all of last season, hands down for yeah. me. Making a reverse Definitely. layup and that floater. Never saw that in the last two years, I think. 
No. Yeah, I think he was he also was feeling kind of confident because he was uh, against Scrubs at that point, and it was the fourth quarter of a blowout, I think, against the Phoenix Suns, and he was, oh. I, I can't remember specifically who was, he was matched up with, but at that point, the game was well in hand. The Pelicans were up by 30, but he did look very spry. Glad to have him back on the floor. Hope he can uh, keep contributing. We never got to address uh, the starting three position, the backup uh, four or five position, which hopefully Ashik and Diallo can give some meaningful <laughs> minutes. But we're out of time. The last thing that I want to touch on, we'll start with Ali. The Pelicans uh, are heading to uh, Minnesota. Actually, they're doing it at the Smoothie King Center against the 11-8 and eight Minnesota Timberwolves. The last time they matched up, Wiggins had 18. Jimmy Butler had 23. Carl Anthony Towns went one for seven and finished with two. Then we've got the Jazz on Friday. We've got the Blazers on Saturday. Take your time, Ali. What do you think happens this week? Oh, well, after this week that we just had, um, I don't know how you cannot be but hopeful. Uh, I'm going to say that they're going to win that Timberwolves matchup. They should have had that last game, I thought. You know, it came down to late game execution and, and a lucky Jimmy Butler shot. My God, getting fouled and he, he made that convert that three-point play. So I'm going to say that they take this one from the Timberwolves because they're still struggling defensively. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but Anthony Towns is getting massacred by a lot of um, – you know, regular people on Twitter about his defense, how they basically given up on him. They don't think he's ever going to learn Tom Thibodeau's system sufficiently as to where they'll be, a, you know, a top-tier defensive team. So I'm going to say the Pelicans snatch that win. Then you've got to – the Jazz is always a tough place to play in Utah. But, you know, with Gobert not there, and you've got Boogie, you've got AD, um, I don't care how many points Rodney Hood scores. I don't care what their wings do. I think the Pelicans are going to take that game. So two and zero heading into Portland, and that's just a place that I don't know why. I just it's so hard for the New Orleans to find victories in there. So I'm going to say they're going to lose that game. Um, so over this week, I'm going to say two and one, first two wins over the Timberwolves, Jazz, and then they're going to lose to the uh, Portland Trail Blazers. All right, your turn, Kevin. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go three and zero, but I, I the only one that I'm really that concerned about is Portland. Uh, I think that's the one that we could lose, but I think uh, I think we'll win them all. Um, I think they're going to be mad about the letting that Timberwolves game slip by. Um, I think uh, the Jazz are, you know, without Gobert, they're kind of decimated. Uh, Hood's been playing okay lately. Uh, he was struggling to start. Um, I don't think he's like a guy that I, I really love Rodney Hood, so I'm excited to watch him play. I'd love to have him on the, on the Pelicans. Uh, but I just think he's a guy who's not your number one go-to scorer. Uh, he's a great number two or number three, which would make him perfect here. Um, but, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell's kind of emerging a little bit, so that's taking some of the pressure off of him. Uh, so, and, But I think they just have a lot of trouble scoring on that roster right now, and we don't. And they don't have an interior defense to stop I just the only thing I worry about is if we have our big men playing too much on the perimeter in that game. I think that's the only way uh, we could lose that one. Um, and then Portland, like you said, it's always tough, and Lillard and McCollum could get hot and at any moment. But and just playing there has always been difficult. So that's the one I'm leery about. But I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to go three and zero this week. 
Nice. All right. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Again, you are listening to The Bird Rights, and you can find us under The Bird Rights on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Alexa, TuneIn, wherever podcasts are found, as well as Dash Radio, where we have a spot on Sundays and Wednesdays, if you guys are into that. Now, if you have a second, do us a favor and retweet the pod, spread the word any way you can. We really appreciate it. With this podcast, I think we just might hit 50,000 downloads. So thank you, everybody, for your support. And if you'd like to get involved, just send your questions over to me at Preston Ellis. If you have any critiques or if you don't like the show, you can always reach Ali at Ali Cosell or Kevin <laughs> at Kevin B for Bouts. Uh, any parting shots, Ali? Tell our listeners a bit more about that DeMarcus Cousins piece you got coming up. Yeah, I just started looking at stuff yesterday, so I still have to do a lot more research. But it, it's basically Boogie's been looking at a standings where his team has been a loser. You know, he, he hasn't even been 500. And, you know, that's just going to wear on a guy. So I'm going to focus on that, finish the research, and hopefully get that up soon. I would like to get some quotes out of him before I put it up. But if not, I'll post in the next few days, I hope. All right, Kevin, any parting shots from you? Yeah, you know, uh, in one of our group chats the other day, Jamal raised a question that I found interesting. He said, what if we actually develop Shek Diallo into being a three instead of a, a center or, or a four um, because of his athleticism, his height? and his uh you know his defensive instincts and he has like a nice stroke on his jumper so that's something that i had never thought about but i'm kind of intrigued by that now i want to maybe look into that investigate that a little more and that's something to think about for pels fans i think all right guys thanks so much for your time i'm out of town this week i'm going to nashville for a couple of days but maybe i'll call you guys up on friday morning or something while the wife goes for a run uh thank thank you guys uh so much i feel like i haven't talked to you for a while but it's just the the holiday season. There was a couple of questions that I wanted to get to. We never talked about our backup big set situation, but uh, it didn't seem that that big a factor this week with all the rest we got against Phoenix. So um, to our listeners, stay tuned. Thanks so much. Ollie, Kevin, I'll talk to you guys again soon. Let's go pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bird Rights for all the best coverage on the Pels. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights. Your support has gotten us up to 45,000 downloads thus far, a spot on Nothing But Net Radio here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Now, we'll be with you guys all season, keeping you up to date on all the latest news on your favorite team. Let's go, pals!